Um, I want to share with you today how I have found my way to standing before you, how I was given a second chance at life, how I went from being the brother of the prodigal son to the one who sits on mercy above the law. I grew up always being in love with the stories in the Bible. I remember as a young kid, I would sit in Sunday morning Bible classes and VBSs, listening and singing the stories like the flood, um, Father Abraham, you know, Father Abraham, right? And Jesus feeding thousands um, on two fish and five loaves of bread. As a kid, my imagination ran wild with these stories. And I even remember the felt puppets on Sunday mornings. I even have fond memories of going to Ohio and sitting in my grandma's small church, belting out with her off-key. He could have called 10,000 angels. And even as I got older, I remember reading the books like Psalms and Proverbs and just feeling some sort of melancholy comfort. And though I grew up with these stories that filled me with comfort and imagination and wonder, They only filled me so far. It always felt like I wasn't doing enough for God's love. It was like I was trying to run towards God, but I was never getting close to Him. And so because of this distance, my pure fascination for God's Word shifted towards all the rules and the laws that are presented in the Bible. I took that whole uh, verse, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, to new heights. I had come to like the rules, and when I heard them from the pulpit, and when I read them in the Bible, that that there were the literal laws in the Bible, I began to live an unconscious life of us versus them. I had unintentionally become the Pharisee that I had so often read about in the Bible. And then the day that my brother told me he was gay, everything changed. Nothing made sense anymore. The rules and the laws that I had been taught from the pulpit and, made, and I had made a firm foundation with shattered. And so did my family. The them I had created broke into my camp and it became personal. Because you see, when you hear something from the pulpit, it's much easier to hear it until it becomes part of your life. So I had a decision to make. I, I, had, I was either going to have this, I was the fierce love that I had for my brother or stay true to the course and stay true to the law. Because the church had taught me that I had to truth, I had to choose. And it was a struggle for so many years. The church was telling me to reject my brother. The little brother who I swore when he was born I would protect. But my heart was saying, this is your brother. While my parents struggled to find support in church where resources were very limited at that time, I, on the other hand, kept my family and my brother a secret. You see, as my, father, my brother walked away from our family, I too walked away, like the prodigal's brother who went to the fields to work. I immersed myself into the belief that I could separate my life. And I ran away in my own way. 
And one way I did that is I, I went to, for a semester, I studied abroad. But, you know, running away does a funny thing. The more I tried to understand my brother and the legalistic implications, the more God put a mirror in front of me and showed me the condition of my heart. And also during that period, I was a youth minister and I struggled with that. Could I, could I love my gay brother and still be in ministry, my calling? Would the, des- the desire of my heart to marry a godly man come to fruition? We all struggled at this time. And there were moments that we got so distracted of us having a gay brother or a gay son, it felt as though I was being forgotten. I was behaving as the prodigal's brother. Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even your young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. I've been going to church. I believe still. I'm going to a Christian university. I'm getting two masters. You see, it still for me was about the rules and the motions and the status with God and nothing more. And then one day, a friend of mine took me to a small house to a woman named Sally Gary, and I walked into this home, capital H-O-M-E, because it had been so long since I felt those words. And it was the home, like you would walk into, like, I don't know, like, like a Hallmark channel, you know, like there were cookies, and it was warm, and there was a fireplace, and there was a couch, and there were smiling faces, and it was home, all caps. My life was, could no longer be a secret, could no longer be separate. The walls that I had built up to separate my worlds, I couldn't do it anymore because I'd walked into a home. And it was there on her couch and sitting among people who identified in the LGBTQ plus community and hearing their stories that I began my journey of mercy seat over law and that all are welcomed to the table. As it says in Exodus 25, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and in the ark you shall put the covenant that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant, I will deliver to you all my commandments for the Israelites. And so I began a journey of the the Godhead gradually inspiring me me to come to the table and to let loose my heart and my hands of the control and duty to force the law on people. And instead, focus on inspiring people to come to know the Godhead who sits at the table waiting for all. And so in a short and sweet story, there is more to tell. But that is how I have come to stand before you today, who was once a daughter focused on duty and pride, and who now sits on a mercy seat created by God, who is mighty to save a legalistic-minded being, and the Trinity, who is more than able to change hearts to dissolve the camps that we all too often set up in our lives. That's all that I have. <laughs> Do y'all have any questions or comments with my, with my story? Anything y'all want to bring out? 
Kara, I liked your analogy of um, the camps of us versus them, and like how your brother broke into your camp um, and like made that line look clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that because I think like it accurately, like when that happens, when you think that there's an us versus them and you know what the division is, and then something happens, like it is kind of panicky at first. You're like, what, what, or like, wait a minute. We were like, I knew what was going on and now I don't. And like, I think I like that. In my head, I can picture that analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I was, um, I was on track to know what the Bible said and what what all that was, and, and when that hit me, um, there's no, there was at that time about, you know, there was no, um, like maybe about a decade or so ago, um, there was no rule book, there was no, there was no how to play by play you know like um and as a as a kid who saw things unravel um it just didn't make sense so i had to figure out how to like you said how to come into my camp and what do we do with that yeah Mm -hmm. i really appreciate your sharing um I don't have the same experience, but I can see myself as I was younger and to where I am now. I feel like I was way more legalistic and everything was very clear. And then as I've grown, everything has become more muddled and I no longer have this like strict, you know, like this is this, this is this view. And um, I, I think it's really hard to sometimes admit like oh yeah I, I used to be that person mm-hmm. that was like nope you're no good this person's good mm-hmm. and um, it's hard to come to grips with that yeah I really appreciate you sharing yeah and there is in that that whole um, the NIV just said a covering over the ark but in like in the NRSV version um, it talks the the thing that God says to put on top of the law on top of the covenant is he calls it a mercy seat and so the mercy goes above the law, and then there are cherubims to protect both, right? And so it's that idea of um, I, I heard this. I heard this story was pulled out um, when I went to a conference, and um, and it just made sense for me of what that looks like in life of mercy, law, um, and mercy always goes first, you know. Mm-hmm. Share a couple things. One, thanks for your courage, both uh, in sharing the story today uh, and the courage represented in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really stunning and moving. Um, I had sometimes the problem with really familiar parables, like, is they're so familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't ever thought about the big brother escaping. Uh, the drama by going to work up the fields. Yeah. Uh, that's a remarkable mm-hmm. reading connection. Mm-hmm. And thinking about all the ways I run to busyness or run to something else to avoid um, interacting mm-hmm. in difficult relationships or places that necessitate mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm struck by that and moved by that. Yeah. So, um, thank you for your words. Yeah. The the brother has always been my story. <laughs> um, I don't. I, and it, I wish I knew more about the brother, but I think he tells a lot in a couple of sentences. Um, and if you read more, he he does. He says, 
I have been working like a slave. I have followed your commandments. I have done this. And so the brother is, is stuck on um, not the relationship part, right? And, and even in this story, if you read more, the father says, my son, the, the prodigal son, he's in here feasting, and I, I too want that for you. So make still make, like it's about that relationship, right? Um, he calls us to the feast, and I think for me what I have learned in this um, with my story and where God has continued to work for me is um, there was a choice. I had a choice to, to continue to be the brother of the prodigal son and say, no, I'm good, I'm going to stand out here. Or I can go into the feast. And y'all, the feast is good. <laughs> God has said, everybody comes to the table like Melinda says. And those are even those people that, um, I don't know, even through some of my, my background of working with um, women who have been sexually exploited, he has told me that all people come to that table. Not just the ones I want. And the feast is good. And without, if I had not walked through the door of, of experience the feast, I would not know um, the enrichment of, of love and mercy and grace. So I thank God for my story. Yeah. I think I have a brother who walked with me in different ways. Uh, and I think it's interesting because. In my story, my parents always bore that that responsibility. I see that your parents are here, and you know, I just think there's no part in this story where where they ever write the father should have given the son the inheritance, mm-hmm. or the father should have done this differently, or the father should have, you know, all that this story tells us about the father <coughs> is that he gave us his sons what they asked, let them make their own choices, and welcomed and loved them back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so key to this story of like, there's no real other process for the parents other than that. And I think I've read this story with my mom a lot, and it's been very freeing for her. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not the behavior, but just, but like, just the, this sense of you have some responsibility for the for the boat being rocked or for things mm-hmm. being harder falling apart, and just the, all that it says in the story. It you know it never says mm-hmm. the father bore all this responsibility for all the you know all the wrong. It just says that he while he was still a long way off, he yeah. And like for me, as I look at already feeling responsible for my choices, when they fail, I feel embarrassed. I'm like, what should I have done differently? Just the thought that my role in that scenario is to run to them and love them. It's like mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like, what he's very free and very. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Just yeah. Very liberating. Mm-hmm. There was um yet yesterday afternoon I was listening to this TED talk by Andrew Stratton, who's who writes um, Finding Nemo and Wall-E and Toy Story. Um, it's an awesome TED talk. I highly recommend it. I recommend it. Um, but when he, he said this really interesting quote, he said, um, uh, Mr. Rogers carried around this, this quote from this social worker for many years that basically said along the lines of like, frankly, until you, you, cannot, you cannot really love someone. You, when you hear someone's story and you, you hear it, you cannot but love people after you hear their story, right? And so going to that home capital H-O-M-E, and I say it like that because it was home. Um, and, I, and I heard stories. Um, it changed um, for me. And um, just hearing, hearing um, 
pain or outcast or rejection um, and brokenness and tension and confusion and incredible rawness and love for God. All of those things I heard in these circles, and I still hear these circle hear these stories. Um, I cannot I cannot help but go. Prodigal son, brother, father, we go to the feast. You know, yeah. There's something that I read and I appreciate the perspective of the older brother mm-hmm. that you bring into this, but it keeps reminding me that that's what the parable was about to begin with. It wasn't about the younger son. Mm-hmm. It was always about the older brother and are you going to come to the party? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I think we have. When we read that story, we always think about, oh, I'm the, I'm the prodigal, or, you know, right. so because so, he's going to welcome me. Um, mm-hmm. But it really was always about mm-hmm. the older brother. Yeah. Yeah. Because before that, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question. Yeah. How has your story helped you minister to women? Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Um, so the way that this piece of my story has helped me to um, minister to women um, is that um, I, I take a lot of stories that I hear from people, the whatever it's the pain, the loneliness, the whatever they feel, um, and I can translate that over to... Um, like the women that I work with, and um, and I think as um, I think as a woman who feels she's got the gift of preaching, um, this has given me um, I don't know what the word is um, platform. More, yeah, more of a platform or just more of, um, I've got something to say, like a voice, I guess. Um, yeah, confidence. And then I think I'm, and in here, but here's the interesting part of this too, is I've really reflected on this was, um, a couple of months ago, my mom asked me, she's like, you know, if, if my brother hadn't come out as gay, do you think you would be so involved with, um, the community of, of um, like, Centerpiece or working with Sally Gary so far, or, you know, so close. And um, and I don't, like, the question hit me, and I had to think about it. Like, it wasn't, like, an instance, woo, yeah, oh, of course. Um, and that kind of, like, at first I was, like, and that kind of hurt, right? Like, um, but then I, but then as I thought, um, we all are given stories um, of our own to have platforms of where, God wants us to reach into people's lives. And so, and that is, this is part of my story. Mm-hmm. So, so many things I appreciate about your story. Um, so, I too uh, share with you this, this plus 30 years of grounding yourself <laughs> yeah. and yeah. the way things are supposed to be right. and certain understandings of the way things are supposed to be and mm-hmm. living into that and expecting everyone else to live into it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and what I also really appreciate is I've come to a conclusion, maybe you're wrong with this, I don't think so, that <laughs> 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 yeah. I think a lot. Um, 
intuition, doctrinal idea, every other perception of mm-hmm. understanding um, that I've ever had. And I've had to come to that conclusion. Yeah. That, and it takes intention to love in ways that you weren't yeah. raised to love. Yeah. Um, and thank you for bringing that up. So, like, my story was, like, what really wrapped up into this, like, really ten-minute story, right? Like, but this has been, um, this has been, I always forget this, because um, when we come in contact with people who are beginning of this journey, like, when I, when I reach out to, when I know siblings or parents who are just at the beginning of this stage, like, I, I forget that I have, I've got a decade or so of, of processing this, um, and it is really interesting of that piece of it of, like, this love and this mercy seat above law, right, and, um, but if you've, if you've grown up with years of that in your hands and in your hearts grasping, to, to have God say, you got to let it go, you go, well, then what's the, what's, is the bottom going to fall out, right, like, that's, and that was part of my process is like I didn't want to let go. I, I knew like the love and the does it really does it really trump was the thing. And so you like held on to it and then see if the bottom falls out. It, for my case, it didn't. You know, there was deconstruction and then reconstruction, right? Um, but but yeah, yes. Okay, sorry, I've already said something, but I just, when you were, after you were talking, after someone was said commented, I appreciate, I really, what you said, this is my story, I love my story, Mm -hmm. and I think that is so beautiful, um, because, like, I think it's just such a testament to God working in your life, Mm -hmm. that you decided to make the decision to go into the feast, that you it's like you could have easily been out in the field and you could have just been so bitter and angry about it and like well this shouldn't be part of my story or why like why you know and I just like it's just amazing to me like that you can that you decided to go in and then also that like that you can say that you love your story Mm -hmm. you know I just I think that's really um and like in and so and it wasn't like an instant like well I'm gonna go to the party. I know. It was like okay, but like there's this out here and I and I was. And I there think were, it's beautiful that you continued on that journey yeah. though. Like and that's it, what I think is so beautiful yeah. is the journey and that you. That right, it's not like a, like one day you're like oh I just like to go and see yeah. you know like but that you you continue yeah to invite like bring yourself yeah in. yeah. I yeah. know that some of the little things you just said. Are short phrases that represent lots of long. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and somebody um, a couple years ago, and this is why I love my story because a couple years ago somebody said, "What, like, what has um, the relationship with your brother? How has it changed you, or how has it moved you, or I don't, I don't remember exactly." And I thought about it, and I and I said, you know, um, like like I said a little bit earlier, is growing up in the church, like, you're like, love one another, and God is love, and then there's mercy, and hope, and, like, all these words, right? And I think sometimes we just make, like, light of them, very much light of them. Um, And so if not for, um, uh, if not for, for for my brother, like, 
not the church. Like, I always credit this to to my brother. Um, he has shown me um, my my heart and the words of, I don't know how to explain it, y'all, but, like, like literally this, this incredible love and grace and mercy that's not just this, like, frou-frou surface level. Um, I am more enriched. Um for my for my brother and because of my brother. Yeah. Mhm. And not for him, for me. Like this yeah. is this was a story like I think when when I when when my brother was told me he was gay, it was like, well, this is about him, right? And God was like, mm, it's about you, Karen. And I was like, what? You know. And so, and that's that sh- the mirror part of it, right? Of the condition of my heart. Um. And I think sometimes when hard things happen, or not hard things, when things hit us a different way that we're not expecting according to our, our beliefs or our just momentum of life, I think we go, it's going to be, it's that, it's that, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's that situation. And I think what God wants to say is like, hey, I need you to stop working in the fields. I need you to stop blaming. And I just want to have a relationship with you. So let's talk about that and how that fits within that. Whatever's going on, yeah. Yeah, you know, Kara, what I was going to say is, to me, the way that I understand or, or, or where it hits me with, with your story and then thinking of my own sort of story and trajectory is is the way that I receive grace mm-hmm. versus giving grace. Yeah. Um, and I have historically struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize so much more that I am imperfect in, in needing grace and I am willing to give it to others. Mm. And the other parable that comes to mind mm. to me that has always kind of hit me right between the eyes is the story of the, the servant for whom a large debt was forgiven, mm. and right in the midst of that, he failed to forgive someone else's smaller debt to him. Yeah. Uh, and so this this tension between knowing, I know what a, a broken and fallen and messy individual I am, mm-hmm. and I cannot get by with, with God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes... Other people are ideas, mm-hmm. and we can hold ideas to perfection because mm-hmm. we, we don't truly know them. We yeah. haven't stepped down into that mess with them. Yeah. As some guy once said around here, the earth is a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as, as Ted said last week, <laughs> as Ted said last week, I mean, as he shows the world is, is like a fractal that has mess and mm-hmm. chaos and noise all around us. And all of a sudden, you know, I think to Tommy's point, what Jesus said is the way you've got to understand this is through love. Mm-hmm. If you have no other lens to look at the world, look at it through love. And the love that you need from God is the same love that the people are around us. And that's the journey mm-hmm. that I'm on is, is trying to see other people around me. Not through rules and regulations, mm-hmm. uh, but through love. Yeah. I think that was part of the hardest challenge. One of the hardest challenges of me in this story was when when God said, hey, Kara, you belong at the table. And I was like, oh, what? And there was this picture where it was me looking in the window of everybody at the feast. And God said, like, you come in too. Like, it's not just for all the people you think are worthy. It's like for you too. And so... Then I said, oh, yeah, like, I'm worthy of the feast. Because we are. Yeah. Yes. Um, how have 
So these rules that you followed for so long, mm-hmm. that you looked at so closely, how do you process them now? How do I process them now? Um, I hold them very loosely. Very loosely. Um, because one time, okay, another part of the story is I was so adamant. Like, it was like me clenching this. I was like, I gotta, I gotta teach him Jesus. I gotta, I gotta know Jesus. He's gotta know Jesus. He's gotta, and like, God was like, what are you doing? Like, he, he like, literally, he's like, Carol, like, your family, your brother, they know what you believe because like, we all grew up in it, right? And so like, what, what do you gotta, like, why do you gotta prove it? Like, what's out there to prove it? Like, what do you, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to show, right? And um, and I think that's when the law I did was so much like clenched it. And then um, I was able to kind of let go and say, okay, God, like, if he's like, just love. Like, I was like, okay, God, what does that mean? You know, like, he's like, just love. And I'm like, what are we in a Disney movie? Like, I don't know. Like, but he, he was like, in God, like, he was like, just love. And I was like, I don't, I like, I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, I knew love, but, like, just love. And I'm like, okay, but you're, like, you just said one word. Like, you didn't give me, like, a script of, like, the playbook, right? And so he's like, just love. And I said, okay, fine. So I gave in, and I said, okay, fine. This love that you keep saying to just love, you got to show me what that looks like. Um, And so this idea of altering um, my way of thinking of what's really more important is it more important to keep people away from the feast, or is it more important to me be me be a vessel to inspire people to come to the table? And I pick inspire people to come to the table. Yeah, did that answer your question? Sometimes I go off on Disney movie things. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um. Can I just add that your answer kind of yeah. for me? It also pushes you back to rethink what you thought. When right. You think with a fresh set of eyes, mm-hmm. look at the things you've looked at before and say, right. whoa, I've always just understood that to mean this because that's why I've always understood the minute. Right. That's what everyone's always told me to mean. And with a fresh set of eyes through experience, right. you say, well, maybe that's not what that meant. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you come to a, not a different set of rules, but at least, I mean, I think we all would say God has a path forward that he would what's this holistic peaceful life that he wants us to live and so it's not abandoning right everything to the wind and yet it's rethinking things yeah with fresh eyes mm-hmm. yeah and it's um it was kind of this idea too of like like becoming becoming conscious of it like I think for so long I was unconscious of it and I was like well why do I have to have so much control of it why do I have such a fear of it and I and it, for me it was this idea of like wow somewhere along the way I got the message that there's like there's like a hierarchy of stuff right and I was like I don't and I was like where did where did I unconsciously hear that and then having to kind of unpack that and unprocess that and rethink all that you know so. Yeah. We heard Nadia Boltzweller, who's an author, speak on Monday. And one of the things that I really liked about what she said was um, her new book is on sex. And she talked a lot about purity culture. And she said purity, for her, purity is meant to separate us. Like, we want to always feel better than someone else. Mm-hmm. And so purity culture, in any form, like not just sexual purity, it could be like, mm-hmm. I mean, ideological purity, like, well, you're a Trump supporter. You're not a Trump supporter. Or like, 
um, and you're bad and I'm good and, and mm-hmm. all of that is about separation and trying to feel better than him. And the opposite for her was connection mm-hmm. and holiness. And yeah. For her, holiness is connection to God and connection to others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the part I like about this prodigal son story is at the end, you know, the father says, your brother's in there. I also want you in here. And so there's no this like there's no divisiveness. He doesn't. The father does not want divisiveness. Right. Um, he wants everybody to come through and be inspired. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think what I'm, I'm I kind of a little bit struggling with and um, at the same time kind of sworn in my head and everybody talking. This is this idea that the law and love were not uh, dichotomy for God, right? That law and love were the same thing, and that law was made for the purposes of people finding their identity in the example that God was mm-hmm. like. The the cultures around Israel were struggling. Mm-hmm. to find peace and honesty and justice. And God decided for himself, I will make a people. I will make people out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And ask them to journey with me. Right. right? And that that was an act of love. Mm-hmm. And that in the New Testament, the law doesn't go away. Parts of it are, are, are cultural, but right. the law doesn't go away as... An, an outcast of okay, I'm done with that. Now we're right. going to do a new thing. It God's love is 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 a high the highest expression mm-hmm. of what He was saying yep. to begin with. And so it's not like God is it has multiple personality. Right. It's mm-hmm. more so that our perspective on what we attest to those laws that we think we were reading, like uh, going. Very much in, in line with what what was just said, those laws that we think that we're reading may not be saying what we because, exactly. we, because we want to set up a hierarchy right. of, exactly. of people that I get to purchase my salvation for myself because I'm better. Right. Right. That law is the law of man's heart, but that's not what God was doing when He made law. It's not what He was doing. Right. When, when in the New Testament, all those, all, all the other things were there, and so I think I, I struggle when I hear that that kind of law versus law, mm-hmm. because, and we, I, I agree with you. I, I had the same problem growing up of law and just beating people in the head with it. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess yeah. I, 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 there, there is no finish, but I'm still kind of <laughs> Yeah, that's good. No, and I, and I think, like, yeah, like, and that's what I love about that Exodus 25 is it's not like, and then you're going to make something for the mercy seat, and then you're going to make something for the, the covenant that protects the commandments, right? They're on top of, they're, they're connected together, they're connected together, and they go everywhere with the Israelites. And even Jesus said, I didn't come to take away that the laws, I came to fulfill them, right? So they, they do marry together. Um, I think it's how the church taught me to interpret um, scripture that made those things be law, right, in that hierarchy um, that I had to deconstruct and go, wait a minute, like, what am I looking at here? Um, and what is truly the nature of God's character and what he's pointing me to? 
Yeah. I think I'm probably taking it out of context. Good. In fact, I'm pretty sure I am. But the psalmist said, righteousness and peace come together and kiss. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think, you know, justice and peace mm-hmm. can kiss each other. And that kind of covers some of that as well. Mm-hmm. But I've often found that legalism is easy. Mm-hmm. Following the seven rules is easy. Mm-hmm. Looking at things from the perspective of Jesus is not. And I think that is the real, mm-hmm. real thing. It's, it's easy for me to be legalistic, but to look through what Jesus eyes and trying to try and see his perspective and look at people from his perspective. Mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. That's the difficult thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think about um, several things, but this picture is this work on your own salvation with your interpreting. And so. You know, even as we as we struggle, the struggle is not in how I view others as much as how I view who I am mm-hmm. and how I'm viewing who God is. But when we were talking earlier, I was thinking about um, Mary and Martha, and I've always recognized that I'm a very much Martha, mm-hmm. and and then I'm a little bitter because Mary's in there, you know, just living life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she just gets to be filled and I am the one that is task oriented. I want to follow the rules. I want to do what's right. And that made me think about the older brother, mm-hmm. just that following the rules and trying to do everything right and being embittered by mm-hmm. the one who gets the goal and seemingly live off, live frivolously and everything is handed to them. But, you know, when you were talking to the made me think for the first time, the grace of the Father to come mm-hmm. and that the Father coming and saying, why are you out here? It's almost like putting up that mirror and saying, now look at you. Look at your heart, mm-hmm. you know, and really coming face to face with not anything to do with the brother, but coming face to face with me. Mm-hmm. Coming face to face with my own bitterness, mm-hmm. my own um, arrogance, my own self righteousness, really coming face to face with me and taking my eyes off of everybody else, mm-hmm. but really looking in the mirror yeah. and saying, But who am I? Right. You know, am I really following the rules? Am I really in it? What rules? Am I really following him? Mm-hmm. Am I really following his example? Because his example was to let him go and receive him back. Mm-hmm. That was the example of the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Any last questions or comments? Yes, Gary. I just wanted to say, I used to attend a church that was super gay friendly. And uh, the pastor there said something one time that really stuck. He said, if you love your doctrine more than you love people, you need to check your doctrine. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you, Kara. Thanks. Thanks, Kara.